0: Morning, and I do greet each of you in the name of Jesus. I bring uh, greetings from the Mount Olive congregation in Hagerstown, Maryland. I'm glad to be here. I might say that uh, part of this love-hate, probably the largest part of this love-hate relationship, was probably on my part, because I was older than he was, and I took after my mother, which was short, and he took after his dad, which was tall. And so even though I was two years younger, he looked as uh, big as I was or looked like he was just as old. And since I was that much older, I thought that I should have privileges that he didn't have. But people forgot that I was older, and so they just, you know, treated us both the same, which caused me a, a bit of angst in my childhood. <laughs> so anyway, um, we had a, we, the last song this morning was, uh, Oh, for a Faith That Will Not Shrink. And my wife uh, knew what I was planning to preach this morning. And so she said, You know, that really, really fits. And I said, You know, it does. Um, I, it was probably, I guess, almost, probably a year ago by now, uh, a church that was not of our, of our uh, conference uh, called and wanted me to have a, a sermon on a Sunday evening and they said they, the, the sermon they wanted me to preach was uh, faith or common sense. And I immediately thought of the Pharisees and Sadducees and how they tried to get Jesus in trouble, but it didn't matter what he said. Somebody was going to not like it. And so, so I, I, was, I was thinking that I was kind of in a bind—faith bind. Faith or common sense. But I have found that in studying for this it was a real discipline for me and I found out that that faith and common sense weren't necessarily at odds depending on your frame of reference they, they could be but what, if, what a Christian says I have faith that everything is going to work out okay I believe that that's supposed to mean what a Christian says that. I think it's supposed to mean that they're saying that I have faith in God that everything will be okay so, of course, the first thing you do is look up the word faith and look up the phrase common sense and try to determine what we're talking about. So, faith, uh, having looked up the word faith, I found out that there was actually six uh, definitions of faith and some of them didn't fit the, the, uh, the framework with which we were uh, working, but I found two that did. And the first one was, A belief that does not rest on logical proof or material evidence. And at first thought we would think that's us. A faith, a belief that doesn't rest on logical proof or material evidence. And at first you say, yeah, that's that's it, that's us. But then as the more I think about it, that that really should not be the Christian. Because just to have a belief that doesn't rest on logical proof uh, is not good enough. It really turns out that what that is is wishful thinking, can be. You know, you have faith that certain things are going to take place. Um, You know, a person could uh, write a business plan that they were just sure that would work, but if they took it to their accountant and he would look it over and he would just, he's like, there's no way these numbers are going to work out. It's just not possible. But yet you could have faith that this whole thing was going to work. And then along with that, uh, another illustration of the same type of thing, um, I, I have met those people who are absolutely convinced that Grandpa is in heaven. And I may or may not have known Grandpa, but I knew that, you know, he may never have named the name of Christ, never went to church, lied, swore, smoked, unfaithful to his marriage vows, but somehow or another, you know, Dad's in heaven, we just know it. Now that is faith that does not rest on logical proof. Convenient, you know, it's a convenient uh, faith to have. But for us who are Christians, we say that that just doesn't that doesn't square with what we know about the Scripture, and so it was a faith that didn't rest on logical proof. Or material evidence. There was no evidence. There was no, no material evidence that he was in heaven. But it was, a, it was just a faith that that's where he was. Well, this, a second uh, definition was a secure belief in God and a trusting acceptance of God's will. Uh, this was a little better. But, you know, that, that would fit also some religions that we believe are false. That believe in God... And a trusting acceptance of God's will. I don't know if you remember the, the. Uh, I think he was a Muslim. That uh, that uh, he he was a pilot. This goes back a few years, and he uh, had a load of passengers. And and the thing that he said is he when he when he pushed the yoke forward to crash it into the ground. He says, uh, "God's will be done." All of you. So I don't know what his faith was. Uh, he said it's God's will, that he should do this. Well, I didn't really feel comfortable with the second illustration either, so I put the two together and came up with uh, something which I believe more uh, would, would be the way that we would understand it. Faith, a secure belief in God and a trusting acceptance of God's will, which is supported by the written word, And this confidence does not necessarily rely on logical proof or material evidence. So our faith is founded on the Word of God, and we believe that the Scripture is not only true, but is also applicable to our daily lives. We believe that the Scripture is alive, and the Scripture does um, address the unknowns that faith... you know, you have faith in the unknown. If something's taking place, you don't really—that doesn't take faith. But faith has to do with the unknown. And so we have some verses. Romans eight twenty-eight. The, these, are, these are verses that we hinge our faith on. Romans eight twenty-eight says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. And so when we have faith in God, we have this little foundation that we can build on that doesn't really matter if we understand what's going on or not, But here we have this verse that says, All things work together for good to them that love God. The other thing is in Nahum 1.7 that says, And God is good, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. So we can take a verse like that also. And we have faith but, it's, but it's, it's, a, it's a faith that's based on a foundation Luke 12:24 consider the ravens for they neither sow nor reap neither have storehouses nor barn and God feedeth them how much more are ye better than the fowls First Corinthians 10:13 there is no temptation taken you but such as is common to men but God is faithful and who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it that that is a statement. That if we believe the Bible, then that we believe that. And so we have this we have this faith, but it's founded on something. It's not it's not a, it's not some slippery, intangible uh, wishful thinking. Our faith is is based on Scripture. Uh, it's not something that comes and goes with our emotions. Our faith stays steady because we have rock-solid uh, statements from the Word that, that, that verifies that we're doing the right thing. Hebrews 11.1 one says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it, it's a substance. Things hoped for. But they're hoped for based on Scripture. Now let's talk about common sense a little bit. Common, common sense, sound prudent judgment based on simple perception of situation or facts. You know, faith can be the, the word faith can be a bit of a slippery term too. You know, what, what we're talking about. What we, we define faith because there's so many uh, there's so many definitions of faith that we have to we have to to get something that's tangible. Well, common sense is the same way. What is common sense? You know, uh, common sense in one situation may not be common sense in another situation. Now, if you were driving down the street in a very good neighborhood and you saw a bike and a, and a man beside the bike laying on the, along the street and he seemed to be hurt, it would be common sense probably to stop and to see what his problem is, you know, maybe help him up. It may not be common sense to do that if you're along a dark road with woods on both sides and it looks like a setup. Okay. You, you may not, you know, you wouldn't feel the same about those. What would be common sense in one situation may not be common sense in the other. So it's a ju- common sense is a judgment call and how you make a judgment call is determined by your frame of reference. So what I think is common sense—this would make sense to me—may not make sense to someone else, even on small issues. Now, if I fell off the pulpit here and I got up and my and my finger went like this, most of you would probably agree that I should go to the doctor, get get it fixed. You know, it'd be the common sense thing to do. But then. You know, I like, said, well, that's, that's pretty straightforward. I think that you that's probably, you know, most of you, probably no, none of you would say, no, I think God just leave it that way. That wouldn't be common sense. But what about, so if one of your children are running after church, which they're not supposed to do, but they fell and knocked onto the corner of one of these benches and had a gash about that long, looked like maybe two stitches would take care of it. Now, depending on the parent, whether it be common sense or the right thing to do to go to the hospital and get two stenches, the next parent would say, hey, let's just put a Band-Aid on it. And it may depend whether it's your first daughter or your fifth son. <laughs> you know, you get a little experience, uh, it may make a difference. So we can't, I'm not trying money to muddy the 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 water's here, but what I'm really saying is that even within any given congregation, there's going to be a difference of opinion. What is common sense and what isn't? And uh, this is, you know, we we just have to... uh, ...they believe is common sense rather than the people who are standing by making judgment calls. It takes love and forbearance within a congregation. And uh, as long as it doesn't go against the scriptural teaching, we just have to leave it. We just have to leave it sometimes. So, as Christians, we're trying to find our way and find a proper balance between faith and common sense in any given situation. Now, the first point is that when we are trying to find out the direct... the, the, the path that we should take with faith and common sense... What we cannot do is allow ourselves to be influenced by non-Christians in making this uh, decision. Because they do not have the same frame of reference. Uh, They don't have respect for Jesus' teaching. They don't have our high regard of Scripture. You know, we have neighbors that respect us for who who we are, and they may tolerate our strangeness, but they don't agree with us. They might not agree with us to how we should handle uh, uh, somebody breaking into our house and taking something. They may not. They may not do. They may not agree with us. Um, because you see, we're not different in degree, and you've all heard this before. We're not different in degree. We are different in kind. When we become Christians, we become a different type of a creature. We become a new creature. And so our 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 reference. Either on the faith side or the common sense side, if our faith, if our, if our common sense is driven by our faith, we will come up to a different answer. Uh, 1 Peter 4 4, we know this, where, wherein they think it strange that we run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. So, my thought is that then when we have to make a decision, and, and, and occasionally we have to consult lawyers, but if you consult a lawyer about a legal a legal thing, you you have to let them know uh, how how you plan to handle this. I, I just had you know, I just had a situation here just a couple of weeks ago, and and I had to explain to this lawyer like I, we're not going to do this. You know, she said I don't think this would stand up in a court of law. I said I, I know that, but that. I'm not. I am not interested in going to law to find out. I'm interested in just leaving a go and leaving a Christian witness. And if there's a difference, then the difference is going to have to go with that. Okay, common or faith or common sense in the life of a New Testament believer. Now again, when I'm talking about this faith or common sense in the in the in the life of a New Testament believer I'm not talking about things like you know if you put more air in that tire I think it would roll better I think you would you know, you, I think you know, it's the common sense thing to do if you have a tire that's half flat just put air in it I'm not talking about something like if you have a piece of machinery that's jumping, jumping around and you would say uh, it would only be common sense if I would bolt to the floor I'm not talking about that but has to do more with the with the method we use when plotting a, court of act, a course of action. In in and when these course of actions project into an unknown future, how do we how do we handle these? You know, uh, common sense says don't do it. It's not going to work. Faith says faith in God says God is in it. Let's do it. We have, we have these decisions to make. Every day. Little ones and big ones. Sometimes they're huge decisions. Sometimes they're small decisions. So what are we going to Are we going to use faith or are we going to use what appears to be common sense? A Mad, Madeline D'Engle said, The naked intellect is an extraordinarily inaccurate instrument so just just to think something through without the influence of god the influence of the scripture the influence of the holy spirit you're not going to come out to the right you're not going you're not going to come out to the right decision We cannot expect a reasonably intelligent person who does not have the robe of righteousness to cover their intellect. We can't expect them to arrive at a, uh, a conclusion or a plan of action that would please God. This Isaiah 61 verse 10 it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with his robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with his ornaments, and with a bride adorned with her jewels. Now, if you, you get this picture, that a Christian, God puts around him a robe of righteousness, garments of salvation. And, and this this covers us... And influences our decisions when it comes to making decisions. This, this robe of righteousness. We want to make decisions that are righteous decisions. We want to make decisions that are pleasing to God. And so from this premise, uh, this is how we start to uh, use our common sense. So this a person with this robe of righteousness... A New Testament saved, sanctified, born again, bought by the blood, holy spirit led, heaven bound believer. They have a special um, Bible based reference concerning difficulties, concerning trials, concerning these things that happen to us that we don't know what to do about. Um, so we have this. We have this. Uh, robe of righteousness to base our common sense on so our common sense comes from the inside but it comes through and is filtered by this robe of righteousness that we have and so when it finally gets to the outside God has uh, weighed in on the problem he's helping us make this decision and so we come to a different conclusion even with our common sense than we would before Maybe, I don't know if you remember the first time that you really used faith. You know, you really decided to go out on a limb and, and you know, God said it and it and, and don't make sense, but I'm going to do it. I don't know if you remember that, anything like that or not. Um, and then it worked out because God is faithful. Now, all of a sudden, it's a little easier the next time. Your God worked it out. You look back, and all of a sudden, you realize that your faith was not displaced. This faith in God was 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 the right thing to do. Now, Apostle Paul, you would say that Apostle Paul had common sense, right? I mean, we read his writings, and we would say that Apostle Paul had common sense. Now, we also know that Paul had some type of a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. Some people say because of some other writings that perhaps it was his eyesight. And I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to suppose this morning for, the, for this illustration. I'm going to suppose that it was his eyesight. Let's say that his eyes were bad. You know, he couldn't read very well. Uh, and and he his common sense told him said, look, you know, God, if if I could have my eyesight back, if you would heal me and my eyesight would be good, I could I could serve you so much better. I it would just be it would I I could just do a better job for you if. My eyes think were better. And so he prayed to God and, and God says, Well he prayed to God. He said, Like, I would like for you to remove this thorn in the flesh. I want to be able to serve you better. I want to be able to see better. I want to be able to write better and uh, read better, and I think I can serve you better. Well, God doesn't answer. Hmm. Interesting. So so common sense again tells him, like this is I still think that this is the right thing to do. So he prays again, God, would you uh Remove this thorn in the flesh. Will you remove this... Would you, would you heal my eyes that I could read better and write better and I could be able to converse with people better and I, I could just serve you so much better? Nothing. No reply. So he does it again. He's still convinced, his common sense tells him, and, and we would agree, wouldn't you agree, that that would be the, the you know, that he could serve God better that way. And so he prays a third time, and he prays to God. I think that I can serve you so much better if you would heal my eyes, and I am asking you to do that. Uh, I could read better, I could write better, I could I could see you know the expression on people's faces better. I, I could do you a much better job. And then, and then finally, the third time, God answers him, and this is what He says. You can find that in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 9, if you want to turn to that. Sorry, this, uh, this, this sermon don't have a lot of verses to turn to. But if you want to turn to that, he gets an answer. This is after the third time, and, and, and Paul is pretty sure with his common sense that this is the right answer. So, after the third time, God decides to answer him. And you'll find that in Second Corinthians twelve, verse seven. Unless, and he says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly this is his this is his reply. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So after the third time, uh, God tells him, he says, you know, there's a chance that you could get proud. You know, by the abundance of revelation and all this answered prayer, that that you could get proud. And he said, you you, you are more useful to me By having your eyesight this way and trusting in me to make up the difference. And then all of a sudden, it made sense to Paul. And then he says, well, most, well, if that's the way it is, which I never thought of. Paul could, you, know, you could read that in there, like, like I never thought of that. And then he says, most gladly, therefore, why glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ... May rest upon me. So, Paul had enough faith to believe that this is what God said the way it should be, that then ended up the way that, that, that it was supposed to be. So now this this common sense that he had before is now tempered by the fact that if he wants to be in the will of God, then he should let that to God. And now. common sense after this experience common sense told him well if that's the way God wants it then that's the way I want it you know there's things in our lives um, it seems to me that that the longer we live in in and in 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 the farther we go in a Christian faith that 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 faith and common sense does not have to be at odds. That it Eventually, as we really figure out what God wants for us, they kind of start to blend into one. You know, it's maybe like faith is coming down this way and common sense is coming up this way and at some point they meet and they just kind of parallel each other. Um, I, I'm a very strong advocate of uh, anointing with oil. I've seen... Beautiful things happen uh, when people call for anointing of oil. I've been anointed twice myself, and I can, I can take the rest of the morning and give you testimonies about that, but I will not. But as we look at the anointing of oil, you know, traditional common sense from somebody who is not a believer to, to believe that for somebody to take and sprinkle a few drops of oil on your head and that, would, that that would do anything for you is absurd. They would say that. Their common sense would tell you that there is no relation between the few drops of oil and healing. There's nothing, you know, we, we frankly admit that there's nothing in the oil itself. But not only would they, uh, they wouldn't believe it, and they, they don't believe it would promote healing of the body or the soul or the spirit, uh, un, un, unchurched people might even consider it as witchcraft You know, I mean yeah, we see some things that we would kind of categorize, categorize as witchcraft and a non-believer who doesn't understand this whole process common sense would tell them that there is nothing in those little handful of oil that's going to make to heal your cancer or your hip or whatever Uh It's just ridiculous to think about it. Well, however, I've seen it work so many times in my life and other people's life. uh, We had a dear sister that just buried her this week. Uh, Since I was ordained, we've probably uh, anointed her with oil three times. She would have a horrible hip problem or something. She couldn't even get up, and she would call for anointing of oil, and we would anoint her, and uh, oh, the hip problem would go away. And she'd be fine for three or four years. And then she'd have some other, something I don't know. What would have been another one that happened? Something else would happen to her, and she you know, just, just pain, and, and just she just couldn't take it. She, she would call for anointing of oil, and, and we would anoint her, and, and that would go away. And then, and then she would be good for another couple of years. And this happened at least three times. And so, I, you know, my, my observation with, with different people in the congregation and with myself, to me, it is the most absolute common sense thing in the world when you have an illness that you're not sure what to do about it. I'm not talking about a broken finger. But you have something that you are not sure what to do about it to call for the anointing oil. To me, because of my experience, is the most reasonable thing in the world to do. In fact I would even go so far as to say that if you have if you are in a, a place in your life that you need the anointing of oil and you elect not to do it, I, I believe that you're leaving blessings on the table that God would give you. Uh, now I'm not saying I'm not saying that you will be healed physically every time that you're anointed with oil, but what I'm saying is because of because that God has said that you, if you're sick, to call for the anointing, then it's the reasonable thing to do. And it says that God will bless you; He will heal something. And I don't know what He's going to heal in your life. It may not be what you wanted, but it may heal your mind. He may give you peace. He may there's just an, any number of things the way God can can heal you because you're obedient to His word. Okay. So all I'm saying is that it's a shame that the Mennonite Church has used anointing with oil in times past more of a last rite than for healing and uh so I am convinced that the faith that it takes, that the healing that those three or the little handful of oil does anything uh, to me I've seen it work enough to know that it now faith and common common sense has come to the same spot uh Another one, and I will just mention this uh, in passing, would be another one, would be the using of the lot to, uh, to determine church uh, ministers and elders and that type of thing. People looking on would say, well, there's a 50% chance. You know, if there's two people in the lot, they would say, well, there's a 50% chance, a 50% chance. No, we don't understand it that way. God has already decided which one it's going to be, and it's a hundred percent and a zero percent chance is really the way it is. It's, it's, we're not gambling. So, at that point, you know, faith in the way that God has outlined that we should that we could do this, uh, and common sense says that that's the way to do it comes together. Our common sense is trainable. That's what I guess I'm trying to say. Our common sense is trainable, and and once we train it to come to uh, to uh, reconcile itself with faith, then we're on to something. Uh, because small children, we, we know that we know the common sense is trainable Because small children have no common sense, they don't know uh, they should stay off the road. They don't know they shouldn't touch a hot stove, and they don't know to throw. There's not you shouldn't throw glass jars. When, when they're real small, they don't know that. At some point, they learn. Either through parental training or um, some other reason, uh, they they get common sense. I think this doesn't work. This is not a good plan. So somewhere around the age of 25, most of us end up with a measure of common sense. We've learned it. Okay. Uh, it, you know, it takes a while. Maybe it takes people longer. Some people get it sooner, but. Uh, we do. We end up with a fair amount of like this will work, this will not work. Common sense and uh, experience has told us that's the way it is. So, um, but however, if our common sense is not influenced by the work of the Holy Spirit, it's still not Christian common sense based on faith. Now, uh, you can stay out of this. This this next uh, little thing here. You just keep your thoughts to yourself. When I was young, uh, I used to lie a lot. Um, I don't know that I enjoyed lying, but common sense would tell me that if I would lie, and it kept me from getting into bigger trouble, that it was probably the thing to do. <laughs> you know, common sense would have told me that. Uh, sometimes it worked out, sometimes it didn't. You know? But I was willing to try it if the, if the odds seemed good. Uh, it was a common sense to do. You didn't want to hurt. You didn't want, you didn't want to have to admit that you were wrong, and so, so you would lie about it. Now, um, what I've really tried to do is keep the pain factor to a minimum. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of you have experienced this in your life. I know that you all grew up little heathens, just the way I did. You, you, did, you didn't grow you may have been in a Christian home, but nonetheless, you still had this uh, Adamic nature that we all were uh, blessed with. So now, but you know, something has changed. And now, as a spirit-filled Christian, it is common sense to me not to lie. Ever. It's just, it's common sense. Now, why is it common sense now and it wasn't back then? I'll tell you why. I'll give you a couple reasons. First of all, I have faith that the Bible is true, and the Bible says that no liars will inherit the kingdom of light. So... That, that, is, uh, that, that, that weighs that, that decision to lie. It, it, it makes it less common sense to lie and more common sense not to lie. Because if you want to go to heaven, then you can't be a liar. Revelation one eight says, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. So, that's one reason why it's common sense not to lie anymore second reason is that when I lie, I understand now that I'm actually catering to the father of lies instead of to Jesus Christ. And that I have not in faith claimed the promise that when there's a temptation, there's also a way of escape. If I lie, I'm I'm denying that promise. Well, I had to lie in that case. That's not true. God says that he will make a way of escape. And so you can't, you can't use that illustration to say I had to lie if you really, really believe in God and you really, really believe in that verse that God makes a way of escape. The third reason is that I have experience that if I lie, the Holy Spirit's going to jump on my case until I do something about it and make it right. Okay? I have that confidence. And if you hate to make confessions any worse than I hate to make confessions, it's easier not to lie than to go through that whole process of first of all being pounded on by the Holy Spirit, says so like you got to do something about it, and then you and then you got to humble yourself. You have to tell yourself, yeah, I'm sorry, I lied. I don't even know why I did. You know, it's so embarrassing. Well, it's it's, it's to me now because of those three reasons. It's easier to tell the truth than to go through that process. It's easier to tell the truth than it is to, to know that liars are going to go to hell. It's easier to tell the truth than it is to know that, that, uh, that I have catered to Satan one more time. So now, to me, it's common sense based on faith to tell the truth. And so that is the difference between now and in my youth. Our common sense is based on our um, our understanding of scripture. You know, for, for for me to look at somebody at Walmart or whatever that has their face all bored through with holes and have jewelry sticking in every piece of it that looks like a tackle box blew up in their face. You 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 look at them and. To me I look at that as like what makes you go out and say that I want the fourth piercing in my ear? You know, what, what does that? You know, it, it, why isn't three enough? Well, it, it's peer pressure. you know and these people want to you know, they, they want to be they, they want to be accepted. And um, I am positive that these people with no godly frame of reference think thinks that this is, the the reasonable thing to do it's common sense to do this because you want to be accepted I mean obviously it it must be I can't can't think of any other reason or why you keep getting more tattoos and more tattoos to them it must make sense but from my standpoint where scripture speaks against jewelry common sense would tell me not to get involved with that because I don't want to be on the wrong side of God's Judgment. So, you know, I have this verse that I can read. Is First Peter 3, 3 and 4. It says, Who's adorning? Let it be, not be the outward adorning of plating of hair or the wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. So, <coughs> now, it's common sense to me to avoid it. Because my faith that what God has said to be true, and, if, and the faith of and believing of what God says, this is the way we should act. Then to me, it makes all the sense in the world that this is the way we would live. So I believe that there's this point where, and uh, I'll just uh, just to close here. You know, we all learn to trust God at different rates. But ideally, there, there, is, there comes a point in each of us' lives in any given area of our life that there comes this point where faith and believing in God and what he says is true and our common sense kind of comes together and it, and it, and it comes together to be the same thing. So our faith and our common sense end up being at the same place. that we finally reach the conclusion that it is the most sensible thing in our world to place our faith in Jesus Christ, to believe in his word, to ask for and follow his direction in our everyday decisions and every projection into the future. I believe that faith in God, direction from the Holy Spirit and scripture, advice from spiritual brothers and sisters in the church, make the common sense answer and the faith-based answer the same answer. This is Neal for prayer.